Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series, where we interview pastors and professors from across the Living Faith Fellowship on all kinds of subjects, from missions to theology to just ministry life. Now, today I have the privilege of interviewing one of my best friends in the world, Jonathan Kindler. Now, John is a teaching elder here at Midtown Baptist Temple, but he's also a professor in the Bible Institute. He's instructing this semester's uh, biblical counseling class along with Sam Miles. And so while I have him in the studio, uh, we're going to do an interview on biblical counseling, but we're also going to have a conversation about uh, his past life in, <laughs> uh, in a rock and roll band, if you will, uh, a band called The Chariot. And so we're going to talk about that here in a second. I want to introduce John. Hey. What's up, man? Just loving being here, man. Are you ready to Are you ready to talk about the band? Uh, I think so. It's been It's been a few years, so uh, I think I'm ready. I'm t- it's time for me to to speak. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get a chance to talk about this very often anymore. I really don't. Um, most people don't even know about it. So I'm yeah. This is gonna be fun. So before we we talk about it, I want to introduce the band. Okay. But I want to give a warning to the listeners first <laughs> that, that the band that John was in was very well known, very famous, but it's what we would call h- hardcore music. One might call it that, yes. Okay, so yeah. just just so that we don't chase off our listeners too quickly here, can, can you let them know what, what to expect in this clip? Yeah, okay, so if, if I know what you're playing, well, I guess it doesn't matter. It all sounds like this. Um, it's it is heavy, um, meaning that it's loud and um, excitable. Yes. Um, we tend to yell more than most. There's lots of screaming. A lot of screaming. Um, what what you might not hear if your if your ear is not tuned to heavy music is that it's actually very joyful, and um, uh, for us was was worshipful. Yeah, so. and there's a cultural like element to this. So, Absolutely. So, if you don't understand it, in other words, if your artistic sensibilities aren't attuned to this, please hang with us because it is going to be an edifying conversation, even if the music, uh, you know, kind of wants to, you feel like you want to be chased off a little bit right here. So um, <laughs> stick we'll, with us. Yeah, yeah, stick with us. So, so we'll go ahead and play this right here. All right, so if you're if you're still with us after that, <laughs> congratulations, you made it. You you've survived. It's all downhill <laughs> from here. Okay, so um, the chariot. Uh, tell us who the chariot is. Yeah, so um, a band uh, is actually out of Atlanta, Georgia, and it kind of um, you were kind of mentioning like the the subculture with it. It came out of a, a movement in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, um, kind of dubbed uh, spirit-filled hardcore. And so think about um, traditionally heavy music, punk rock music, there's kind of a, a push against um, or you know wanting to be counterculture. And for um, the Christians in that, that era, uh, they latched on to that idea of pushing against essentially the world 
mm-hmm. right? And um, and um, was very loud about it. And right, um, there was a lot of community in it. And sure. um, yeah, it was it was a fun yeah. Time. And uh, without overdoing the cultural element, I mean, a lot of these kids are kids that grew up in their house on like the Gaithers. And so, you know, but they, but they find some place among artists and, and the fact that it's a little countercultural and edgy, they're drawn to that. And so they find, they find a space there. It was very, in the early 2000s, it was, it was a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it was very much a part of, you know, my life early on, uh, it kind of gave me some identity in my faith and, Mm -hmm other you know you know people who were like-minded to to kind of like uh you know to to quote a band to to kick satan in the face with my steel-toed boot you know is that that's a lyric to uh, a song that's a yeah is that striper uh no dude <laughs> that's that's like 70s oh eight. okay okay uh it's a band called officer negative okay yeah so well, look, I, look I it up man i will i'll, I'll yeah. check that out but okay so how did you come to a place where you were you were joining the chariot i mean like it you we we grew up together yeah in right. a suburb in lee summit right uh believers from youth right um and at one point in college how did this work out yeah so uh the group of guys that i hung out with in college had a band and um uh do you ever go to any of the rock for life concerts they had or i think it was called that it was like out at uh Starlight Theater. I remember them. I didn't attend any of those. Yeah, it was like the mainstream bands, but then they had a bunch of like uh, Christian mainstream bands, but then they had like side stages where, you know, they let bands play. And the the guys I was friends with were going to play this and their bass player quit. I grew up playing drums and stuff, but they were like, hey, we need you to play tomorrow, you know, the mm. show. So I just got up there and like they told me what like buttons to push almost like how to play this. And just for the next year, I just played shows with them and weird um, moment. Like I was playing pickup soccer, which is weird because I don't do that really. Yeah, and that doesn't seem like you. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> terrible. And uh, a van pulls up to the field. These guys pour out of the van. They're all like, you know, punk rock dudes. And I was looking over there and they looked familiar to me and just went over and talked to them. And, um, you know, they were... Uh, kind of in between tours. And as I was talking to them, one of the guys got a text and said, uh, oh man, our our merch guy quit, the guy who sells their CDs and shirts and stuff like that at the shows. Hmm. And uh, I was like, I'll go. I literally was between my junior and senior in college and just left town for six weeks with these guys. And, you know, we played like every major city in the States. So you weren't incredibly familiar with their music until you went on tour with them? Well, I knew you... I, I was. Okay. Um, I, you know, I had listened to them, mm-hmm. you know, and I liked some of the stuff and the, the singer of the band had been in other bands I liked. And so I was familiar with them, but I didn't know them. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and it was awesome because we played this crazy like metal fest where there's kids coming up to the merch booth and I just got to, you know, essentially share the gospel with them, wow. love on them. And it was just so um, impactful in my life. And then at the end of the tour, they asked me to be in the band. And um, did they know that you were trash at the bass? Uh, I told them, you know, I told them, them, I was like, hey, guys, I actually don't know how to play this <laughs> instrument. And they said, oh, man, we'll teach you how to do that. And uh, they, you know, they said, we, we really believe God's calling you to be with us. And so I, you know, prayed about it for a couple of weeks and 
I remember I was in Second Kings uh, where Elijah and Elisha, you know, uh, when Elijah was t- taken up mm-hmm. in the chariot of fire, which, you know, I was just reading through that book. And uh, but what was really powerful about that verse was it really hit me in terms of where I was in my life, just uh, had been following Elijah for a long time. And like it felt like I was saying to me, you know, hey, this is this is your time to do some ministry, you mm-hmm. know. So for the next six and a half years, I did that. Yeah. It's it crazy that it was well. that long. I know. It, it, it is it crazy. It didn't seem like it was that long. It, really. it went by really fast. Um, yeah, and got to see the world and, you know, meet a lot of people. And So in terms of ministry, I mean, that's what you were explaining that to you, you saw it as a ministry opportunity. Explain what that's like. So you're, you're traveling the world. Right. These shows sometimes do have thousands of people at them. Yeah, yeah. So depending on where we were, you know, the the shows would be bigger or smaller. And but you know, um, it was pretty it was pretty cool because, um, like I was saying, we would play with a lot of bands, and the heavy music scene is often really dark, you know. Mm-hmm. And so our mission was to be a light in that dark place. And you know, every night it was just like clockwork. Kids would come up to the front of the stage. I'd just sit on the front of the stage, and they would ask me like, why was your set so joyful compared to the bands that played before and after Mm -hmm. you, which is just a wide open door to say, well, that's, you know, because we have Christ, you know, and to share that with them. And it's interesting how, you know, um, kids who listen to your music, you, you listen to a band enough, you think you know them. So they would just come up to me and start sharing like, Hey, this is what's going on in my life. You know, um, you know, I had a, that just came to mind a, a kid um, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, came up and he had a, you know, sweat a sweatshirt on, but I could see bandages underneath his mm. sweatshirt, and you know, just ask him about it, and he ended up showing me that he had like mutilated himself, you know, and was in the hospital, mm. and um, got to share the gospel. This kid, uh, the next time he came, shared the gospel again. He ends up getting saved, um, like. Uh, I got to follow him like that was early on. I got to follow him all throughout like his college years. He'd come out to shows and like just doing awesome, following the Lord. So it's just wow. like really cool to to see these kids who are just searching and looking for something and just uh, really seeking and to you know to have a a voice in their life. You know, mm-hmm. which is and obviously, they- I mean, just like anybody who's loved a band, I mean, you look up to the people right. th- that are making that art. And so it's really easy if that person is also personable. Absolutely. Like if you can, if you can be someone that that people look up to, and then you're also actually really friendly and kind and and want to listen to them, that could be pretty powerful in someone's life. Yeah. And that was easy for me because I was always reminded about how I wasn't a real bass player. (laughs) So kids would come up and they would be so excited because like, oh man, you're like the best bass player. And I'm like, it was, it was great because I could say, actually, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I, you know, this has just been um, an open door, you know, and just get to share. I, you know, just get to share from there. So it was easy for me to stay humble in that sense because I didn't really feel like I, you know, belonged in a mm-hmm. way. So, so what was touring like? Uh, man, uh, it it was it it was uh, ridiculous, you know. So cool uh some days like the highest highs and then the lowest lows of my life Mm -hmm. like and that was sometimes back to back you know so you depending on the tour and the size of our band we 
we could be like riding a bus, sleeping well, like getting good money. Or if we were on, hold on by bus, you mean like a legit tour bus? A tour bus. Someone's gonna hear that and be like, like a yellow bus. No, no, no. Like it has bunks. It has a yeah. kitchen. You can use the bathroom. And that was great. Yeah. Oh man, I was like. But then other the times thing. you guys were in like a rental van. Oh, we were in a 18 passenger sleeping on the floorboard in a Walmart parking lot. There's nothing more humbling, okay, than waking up at noon because you drove all night and you're disgusting because you played a show last night and you have a fanny pack with all of your like amenities in it. And you walk into Walmart and the greeter's like, hey, you know, like welcome to Walmart. And you're like, I'm just here to brush my teeth. <laughs> you know, like that is like the low, yeah. low, low, right? right? right. And you're in sure. there washing your face and like people are, and of course I already kind of looked sure. a like that was a my- A little homeless That perhaps. was already my, my vibe, so. Um, so, but you know, that was a lot of the touring through the U S uh, especially was in bus. Yeah. Um, some of it, yeah. But you did a lot of overseas. I mean, talk about some of the places you went overseas where you got to meet people from like every continent. Yeah. Almost, I mean, right? We, we, you know, we played in wild, like places you'd never think of. We played in Siberia and Latvia and Thailand, Indonesia, Singapore, Japan, you know, we went to Australia a couple of times, New mm -hmm. Zealand. So we, we went a lot of places. Um, and, you know, when I think about that, it, it was so cool because it's like um, you meet all these different people and you see, you know, you walk in, you know, out of the airport in Japan. It's like literally like it feels like a Sonic the Hedgehog video game. It's just so different than what you know, you know, right? just like lights and, you know, yeah, you know, coins everywhere. Not really, but. <laughs> It's not actually like a video game. Yeah, I know. Um, I was trying to make the Sonic analogy thing work in my mind. It just, it just felt like that on the highway because like you're driving through and it just like, it just interweaves and lights are blinking. And um, But what happens is you get past the cultural components mm -hmm. of it and you see this soul, right? Right. You meet this guy who doesn't know your language, but uh, when he finally gets a way to share his heart with you and you can, you can really talk with him you know uh it's like oh man you're the you're the same kid i met you know and and you know fayetteville you mm -hmm. know or whatever and you that that was the part that was yeah. so like just comforting in a way it's like everything is so different and everything is so the same and yeah at just, the level of the soul yeah man, everyone's like, the same everybody's the same like yeah. they they're lost they're searching you know, um, when we were in Japan, one thing I did was looked for, I always was trying to collect Bibles and different translate or different language translations. Mm. And uh, the the record label that we were on there, the guy took me around for hours. We could not find a Bible in, in Japanese. Mm. And uh, he, we finally find found one in a used uh, book bookstore. And um, I was so excited and by the end of it, I actually ended up giving it to the guy uh, that like uh, oh, took wow. me around and uh, I still talk to him on Facebook. He's like, I read my Bible like every day, but wow. it was like a treasure to him because he was like, whoa, we don't have Bibles. He like, didn't, he didn't own, own one. No, no. And he was a believer? No, he wasn't. No, mm. but I shared the gospel with him and I, Man. He, he professed, you know, Christ. At, so I think that he's saved, but. Wow. Yeah, Man, dude. So just cool to see the world. You get like the first couple tours, you get past like, whoa, we're in Spain or wherever mm -hmm. you might go yeah. or whatever. And then it's like you start to see the people that live there and see them. They're just like everyone else. 
And so at least for, for part of your tour life, you were living, you were living at our house. I did. Yeah. Me and my thanks, wife's house. by the way. No thanks, problem. Thanks yeah. for that. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. Um, and you'd like come into town and we'd check in on you. We'd make sure you were doing okay. And then you, we'd mom and dad, dad you a little bit, and then you would head out again and be gone for several months and we wouldn't see you. Right. I mean, obviously that was, that was wearing in some ways. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, recording albums. There's probably a lot of fun photo shoots. Like, like there's a lot of really fun things about, I guess, living like kind of a rock and roll dream. I mean, is that even, that seems like a lame way of putting it, but that's yeah, what you're doing, right? There was fun things about it. Yeah. Yeah. But then there was also probably hard things. Yeah, definitely. So uh, maybe explain some of that stuff. Well, man, as a believer, uh, it was really hard. In fact, um, messed me up for a little while. I mean, if you think about the, the, the stage that gets set, set there, you know, it's like I was 21 when I joined the band. So I'm like full of zeal, excited about what God's doing in my life. And then you're just like away from the body. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, we'd be gone for we t toured like 10 months out of the year, you know, so it's like you're never an, at the local church. Right. And then um, and then every all the other components, you you know, you have uh, a ton of idle time. Um, everybody cares about what you think. Um, everybody has an opinion about what you should think. You know, mm -hmm. all the Christians want you to be their version of what a Christian is. And over time, it just starts to create this like pressure that turns into uh, uh, turns you into like this shell of a person because mm. um, you're trying to be what everybody wants, maybe, and you're not getting filled uh, just with uh, the word. And you know, we even would attempt to try to. We we had a pastor on tour with us one time, and just different ways that we were trying to like like you know work through that, but. Um, yeah, it was really rough in that sense. And um, I remember like uh, in 2009, um, there was a, there's a big Christian festival, it's called Cornerstone. Mm -hmm. um, and we played that and I remember standing on the stage and I was so empty, you know, and, and I saw, I mean, we looked out and there's probably like 15, 20,000 people just like that. And I just felt this overwhelming pressure to like give them something that I did not have, mm -hmm. you know? And it was convicting and terrifying, honestly. And uh, that's a kind of a long story, but um, it ended with me crawling underneath a car and just like laying there weeping, you know? And um, I actually quit the band for a season. I quit for six months. I went back to school and finished my degree. And, um, you know, even was like struggling with my faith. Uh, I was actually walking through the union where I went to school and, uh, they were signing people up for Bible studies, some campus ministry, and I signed up and I accidentally signed up to lead a Bible study, <laughs> which is hilarious that they were letting people sign up to do that in the right. first place. Yeah. They don't but, know you for anybody. In right. That, yeah. But I was like, all of a sudden, like, oh my gosh, I'm about to lead a Bible study. So I picked up my Bible, you know, mm -hmm. for the first time in a while. And that's really where God got a hold of my heart and, uh, in a, in a real way, re-envisioned me, um, when I went back to the band, I had um, new direction. Um, I had set things in place, like I had uh, accountability back home. We had a pastor who was reaching out to us, you know, and um, I would go to church every Sunday. I've been to every kind of church you can possibly imagine. I would get out of the bus or van, I just walk until I saw a church that wasn't a cult, <laughs> and I would go to church. And it still would wear on me though, and. Um, 
eventually it, it led to me needing to yeah walk away one of the things that you mentioned to me in times past is that you were you know you met a lot of famous people in the christian music industry over the years being in the band right and one of the things that always surprised you was um that those guys seem to be suspended um age wise or like oh, maturity wise at the age that they began doing music right like so maybe they're 45 and they they started touring at like 16 or 17 and right. they just stayed that person because totally. there was no maturation process yeah there, there was no way for them to be trained up or to um you know yeah so they were just that person frozen in time and um and so was their faith in a mm -hmm. lot of ways you know it's like they're still maybe drinking milk right because they yeah, we need the body to, you know, to be discipled, to be envisioned. It's the it's the context of where God um, works out um, the plan that He has for us. So mm -hmm. without that, it really um, you're kind of just floundering in a lot of ways. Right. You, I remember you also saying that you were surprised how many people were in the Christian music industry that just had actually completely walked away from their faith. Man. It was just a facade. It wasn't Man. even real. You know, honestly, that's one of the things that just messed me up big time going through it because, you know, we'd play every all these big Christian festivals, and that's really we would run into more of the mainstream, like Christ, like K-Love Christians right, bands, yeah. you know. And yeah, man, they, I mean, they were going through the same thing that we were going through, but on just like, like the heat was turned up, you know, because mm -hmm. there's even more pressure and there's more money, more, more money, people. Right? Yeah, all of that stuff. And so, um, it, and it doesn't take much, right? As soon as you depart from um, presenting yourself as you are, just even a little bit, it the you know there's no limits to that. Mm -hmm. It's so incredibly vast. It's like they still think that I'm this guy, right? Right. And so as long as they, as long as I hold that facade, then um, you can slip into you know whatever is available. And because of the lifestyle, everything is available mm -hmm. right so it's just really sad to see some of that and there's people working to keep that false identity going perpetuating it over and over you got teams of people who are right. working to keep that facade up meanwhile you're just you're wandering in in right. the darkness right it's yeah. really that's tough so so you know at a certain point you quit the band i mean how did you how did you justify that what did that look like and you know over the, that last stint in the band god had given me a lot of direction on just some things that he wanted in my life, you know, in terms of ministry. And there's a couple of things. You gave me a, a directions book. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. And directions is the material we used to use for, for biblical discipleship. Right, right. Yeah. So I, I started going through that, and it was just, like, messing me up. Um, I came to, to Mission Focus, like, I think it was like 2010 or 11, mm -hmm. maybe. I don't remember. But just starting to get um, envisioned for, for ministry. Um, you know, one thing that just I loved about touring was like getting to talk to people at the shows. And I kept, um, you know, wanting to know how to do that better. You know, some some of the people that would come to me had just like unspeakable stuff that was going on in their life. And I just I, I really felt drawn to that being something that God wanted to use me to do. And so um, one night I was on our bus and I was just laying there praying and my my bunk um was right next to the main commons area in the back of the bus and we were sharing the bus with a, another band and they were just like 
all out brawling like the band was literally like gonna split up you know and i was listening to them as i was praying god what do you want me to do with my life you know and i heard them and um these guys were believers but they were just like destroying each other and it was Mm. it was brutal so i i just slipped into the room and um you know like just started kind of talking with them and um and by the end of it they were you know uh, hugging and uh, they had they had really like hurt each other and reconciled yeah. some things and went back to my bunk and s- continued in my prayer god what do you want me to do and it, i really you know god was like this is what i want you to do mm. and i didn't even know what that fully meant but i knew that it was um helping people uh who oppose themselves right like mm-hmm. and um and so that was kind of like the the beginning of walking down that path and it looked like me applying to grad school and quitting the band and uh, coming back and uh, going to school, getting discipled, um, yeah. all that stuff. So you moved back to KC mm. um, and you started going to Midtown Baptist Temple mm. um, and, and you started discipleship and you're in school studying to be a professional counselor. Right, yeah. Maybe explain that time in your life and, and what that transition back into a new norm norm was. Like a, a new, it was a completely new reality, diametrically different than like being on a bus with a bunch of dudes. Yeah, very yeah. different. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, it was a lot. Uh, it was a lot better. Uh, like a lot more clean. You know? <laughs> the hygiene. The hygiene went of this lifestyle went, is went way up for yeah. me. Um, yeah, I you know. Um, you know, some of that stuff really messes with you, you know, like being on like the pedestal of so many people. I went from, you know, playing a show in uh, the Ukraine, flying to Frankfurt, to Atlanta, to Kansas City, into a car, into my first class, and nobody knew me. Nobody cared to know me. Uh, and that was weird. And that's like even, mm-hmm. I, I hate even saying that, but it was like I was so used to people caring what I think, yeah, you know? And, um, and so it was humbling mm-hmm. and, um, man, God really used that to, uh, refine me in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So just shifting from the, that craziness to now being a part of a local church and, um, God, uh, fitly joining me, uh, in the ministry, Dan Renault discipled me, mm-hmm. uh, completely, uh, turned my world upside down in terms of like, knowing the Bible for myself, like I'd read the Bible my whole life, but to actually know the Bible, like um, for it to, to, to read me, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, direct me and guide me and, um, you know, to understand uh, what the local church could provide me, you know, and just a lot of these things that I had not really ever fully been able to, to understand or wrap my mind around. And so it set me on a different course and yeah, and changed my life. So obviously the the audience that you minister to is different now. It's smaller. Um, your influence looks different. But in what ways do you see uh, the fruit of your ministry now more effective than, than even the fruit, the evangelical fruit you had when you were touring? Yeah. So when I look back on that, um, I think, you know, we were just throwing out seed. You know, everywhere we go, you know, we, that was our, our hope, like to be a light in a dark place. And we're throwing out seed. Um, but in terms of like actually getting to like nurture it and water it and like pour into it, like that just wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Not only not only was it not happening to us, 
right? We weren't being poured into, but we didn't have the ability to disciple anybody or right because you were on to the next place. And even if you were effective in someone's life, right. it wasn't like the relationship was sustainable. Right. right. So the the song that you play at the beginning, okay. So that song is called the city, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the the concept of the song is the Great Commission, right? So it says this is a revolution, right? That's and it's it was so fun to play live because kids would know it and they would sing this chorus together, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like this whole room, right? Singing this chorus and it says, uh, this is a revolt and then we're moving to the next town. And it was really powerful in that sense because we, that's what we were doing. We were right. moving to the next town. But Christ was the revolution that you were bringing to yeah. the Ukraine or to whatever country or city you were in. Right. You were in many ways revolting against the status quo of right. their of their society by bringing the gospel, right? But then you're gone. But then we were gone, you know. And um, you know, I I don't know about what where all that seed is, but here, like in the local church, it's like, oh, I can look at my my disciple, um, and I can see I meet with them weekly, and I can see God moving in his life, and now I can see him discipling. Yeah. You know, I see this like this, um, you know, like transformation over generations of right. discipleship right. and and you see them like step into the body and like uh, for them to worship right and for them to really mm-hmm. understand that that god's word is their authority and then it and it transforms their heart and right. you know you see you know see them getting plugged into ministry and like like being filled with like well joy peace right mm-hmm. like long suffering like you see the fruit right right and that was that was really eye-opening to me because i didn't really have a I guess I didn't really have a a, a frame for that at, until until now, you know. Mm-hmm. Before it was just like, man, I hope some of this stuff grows. Which growing up in an evangelical church like you did, sharing the gospel like that was was right. the great commission. Like right. that was the extent of the great commission. Right. Because you weren't familiar with the concept of discipleship. True discipleship, right? right. Yeah. And so that's changed everything about your ministry. Absolutely. Okay, so now you're back in Kansas City and you're plugged in to church and you're a teaching elder here at Midtown Baptist Temple and you've got a, a, a thriving counseling practice in the city and um, and a family, a wife, a baby. Who would have thought? It's it's crazy. Time just goes so fast. It it's does. nuts. Um, maybe maybe talk to us a little bit about what life's been back since you, you've been here yeah. and how God's worked in your life. Man, um, when I hit the ground back in KC, started getting discipled, um, like a couple of months later, met my wife. Um, she started getting discipled by Dan Renault's wife. Um, you know, I was in grad school, um, just kind of crazy, just like ministry. Um, me and her led worship in the college and young adults program and mm-hmm. program class yeah it's not a program I, was, I knew you i knew you meant yeah um yeah and and so um you know we got married right when i graduated and started my practice and um man it's just been really cool to to get to do that work you know instead of the business of getting all sweaty and playing shows and mm-hmm. and i just get to skip all that and just get to to talk to people and that's been uh, awesome um you know, for Marcy and I, my wife and I, uh, we we kind of had a rough go just at the beginning of our our relationship uh, with um, 
uh, getting pregnant, you know, we, we, uh, we had four miscarriages, which was just a, a crazy, sad season. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was awesome in that it led us to foster care. And we've been doing that for the last two years. And we have a, a little girl that that's with us now. And, um, just amazing how God works, you know, like as soon as we, um, um, started all of that, we ended up getting pregnant and mm-hmm. now we have a little six month old dude that you hold held last night. Yeah. Um, and so man, God's faithful, but it is, it is cool to see, um, just how quickly time passes and especially in ministry, like there's just so much, there's so much fruit. Um, you know, we're, I'm with Kenny Morgan. Uh, we have our life fellowship and mm-hmm. uh, just a uh, Bible study at our house, like just God, like, um, fills our life with, uh, ways to produce fruit, you know, and, um, that's what it's like being, um, in, in the body, yeah. right? There's just everywhere you turn, there's an opportunity to, uh, produce fruit for the kingdom. Yeah. And in a way that's, that is sustainable. Right. Where you don't, you know, you're not leaving anything behind. You can actually endeavor, you know, for life with people. Right. Yeah. And it's been so sweet. Um, nothing nothing cooler i don't think than um yeah getting to live life with alongside people like we're doing this work together Mm -hmm. well dude i'm so thankful that you're home yeah and that it's not like it was 10 years ago when you were gone all the time and for me it's been i mean you're like my brother so, for better or worse. For better or worse, <laughs> we're like brothers. And uh, man, it's been so good. There were times where I thought, man, I don't know um, if he is ever going to get discipled. I don't mm. know what life's going to look like you know, after the band. And uh, it's cool to see how God answered all those prayers that I had once upon a time. Yeah, man. Yeah. So Thanks for praying you. for me. Yeah. This is, too, a really good opportunity, right? So for everyone watching, just to know that we're not the same person. Yeah. It's, it's been good for me, right? <laughs> like, but all good things, you know, come to an end. Yeah. So what John's referring to is that is that people get us mixed up. I don't know why. Particularly the long hair. Yeah, that's probably it. Sharp nose features. Yeah. Maybe I don't know, but yeah, yeah, they get us mixed up. Yeah. We if this we're in public, it. we tell people that we're bro- we're brothers though. Right. That doesn't help. Probably. Yeah. Lying usually is. Yeah. Li- not yeah. Helping. It's not good. Yeah. We're not actually brothers, <laughs> but. We might as well be. I don't think I've known anyone as long as I've known you. Like in like third grade and things when I... It's crazy. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yep. I love you, dude. I love you too. Thanks, Thanks for, for hanging out. Yeah, man. Thanks for having it's me. It's a good cool. story. I thought people should hear it. Yeah. Don't judge me. I... <laughs> don't judge John. Yeah. That's, and, the, that's uh, the moral of all yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just because he was in the chariot... Um, yeah, and go listen. Doesn't disqualify him from ministry. You can still stream all of this. Just have fun. Yeah, go create a playlist, yeah. a chariot playlist. You know, I did create one for Brian Clark, and he hasn't talked to me since. So <laughs> he, he just listened to that one time. Yeah, and he was and like, I'm like, done. He wrote you off completely. Every time I call, it's just straight to voicemail. <laughs> so, well, uh, I love you unconditionally, and hopefully, other people can get past yeah. the fact that you were in. Um, an insane, rock, loud, obnoxious, shocking. Give me a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dude, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for telling the story. All right, bro. And thank you for joining us for this episode of The Postscript. Hopefully uh, listening to John's story was edifying to you. And and hopefully it reminded you just how important the local church is. And uh, I think 
A lot of times we daydream and we think about all the ways in which we might serve the Lord. And uh, a lot of times um, we miss the most important and elementary aspects of a faithful walk with Christ. And, and so it's really important for us to consider um, the basic truths about who he is and what he's left us. And he's left us a church. And, and I think John's story reminds us of how important that is. If this conversation intrigued you, please go back and listen to other Postscript episodes. Go back and, and, and listen to, to other interviews that we've done here on the show. Uh, if this conversation intrigues you and you're interested in taking a class with John Kindler, um, there are lots of professors, maybe not that played in rock bands, but other, other professors and other pastors who love the Word of God, who believe in discipleship, who have a philosophy uh, that matches ours. And you could learn from them. You could learn from them. And, and so visit lfbi.org if you want to learn more about Living Faith Bible Institute and, and the classes that we have to offer and the training we have to offer. You actually don't even have to leave your home church to get the training you need to be a minister for Christ. And it's for everyone. It's not just for pastors. It's for anyone who wants to be a leader. So, so check that out as well. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We would love that. Leave a review. Uh, but outside of that, we want to thank you for joining us, and we ask that God will bless you. See you next week.